Well, sports fans, the Islanders are in the Eastern Conference Final. Yankees and Mets are fighting for a playoff spot. Giants and Jets season is starting. And that's just the New York version of The Athletic. You've got all four sports that are still going on right now. College sports getting started up. So join The Athletic for just $1 a month. Don't miss exclusive in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season. Subscribe now and save. Sign up now to see for yourself the creativity, reporting, and storytelling that sets The Athletic apart. And if you go to theathletic.com slash no sleep till Belmont, you can receive an all-access subscription for just a dollar a month. Sports are back and you won't want to miss breaking stories on your favorite teams. So go to theathletic.com slash no sleep till Belmont to receive an all-access subscription for just a dollar a month. We hope to see you there. Arthur Staple here, your faithful Islanders correspondent from The Athletic. Welcome to the latest episode of No Sleep Till Belmont, your Islanders podcast from The Athletic. Well, it's a big day today, or a big night uh, coming up tonight, Game 5 of the Eastern Conference Final. The Islanders need to win to stay alive. Um, We threw out uh, on Twitter a request for some questions from all of you out there, and many of you, many more of you than usual, responded, so it's nice that everybody's paying attention. Um... Not the happiest uh, of topics right now that they're down 3-1, but we'll get into a little bit of the uh, the Game 5 uh, preview later on in the show. But we'll start with some questions, some of which have to do with what's going on in the series and in the playoffs, and some of which uh, already looking ahead to the kind of the salary cap uh, signing mess that the Islanders and every other team, pretty much save one or two, are going to be in once the season ends. So we'll get right to it. Um Ed Ward, who uh, has been asking a lot of questions about the same topic, the same question I have been asking, what do the Islanders need to do tonight and in the offseason to address their inept power play? It's an excellent question. The power play, um, they were able to kind of overcome it and actually use it to their advantage uh, in good spots in the first three series against Tampa. Uh, They've kind of run out of gas, uh, you know, got a power play goal to tie game one early and then nothing since, I think, on 13 or 14 opportunities. Kind of a microcosm of how their scoring chance uh, percentages have gone. They really haven't converted a ton, even though they've had some decent chances in this series so far. Um, but yeah, they're, the power play has looked really stale, and I think stale is the word that we've used here. I've used it on my stories. We've used it on Twitter. Um, really, since Barry Trotz came in, their power play has been tended towards stale, uh, bottom third of the league in the regular season, both of Barry Trotz's seasons, and and now, you know, hurting their ability to, to uh, overcome a really good Tampa team who seems to be able to convert or at least generate really good chances every time they get an advantage. So I think the first thing is, do you change the personnel? Do you go out and look for a player um, who can really change the look of the power play. Uh, among unrestricted free agents coming up this offseason, Mike Hoffman is the guy that, that kind of comes to mind, and, and he scored a couple of really good one-timer goals. You know, that's that's the biggest aspect of his game is that one-time shot from the off-wing circle. Uh, he scored a couple for Florida against the Islanders in that first uh, qualifying round series. Um, but there are some other dimensions to Hoffman's game that might not be palatable to a team that plays the way the Islanders do and a coach the way that uh, Barry Trotz coaches. So... Um, do they have anybody in the system now? You know, do you, could you see an Oliver Wallstrom uh, helping out a power play? Sure, I think he's a, a guy who's got the conscience-free shooting style uh, that might help them. 
Uh, Noah Dobson is another player who's gotten some power play time when he played during the regular season who can help them on the power play. So I think some internal personnel decisions could be made, some stylistic ones you know when they get uh, when they get to spinning in circles on the power play especially when Matthew Barzell's unit out there he is sometimes literally spinning in circles to try to make a play when opposing penalty kills really get aggressive on him and um they don't really have the the support of of a defenseman who's a true quarterback Devon Taves has has been good in that job with the other unit that has Brock Nelson on it and frankly that unit has been much more successful in the postseason than uh, than the Barzell unit Barzell unit has two defensemen Nick Letty and Ryan Pollock, and I don't think either one of them is really a, a true quarterback. Letty has had lots of experience over his career, um, but I don't think he's the kind of guy. He doesn't keep a ton of pucks in really well. He doesn't move around as much as you'd like uh, in an assertive way. And, and Pollock, aside from the big shot, um, is again not the not the kind of that guy who can walk the line well. Um, he has shown flashes of it, but I don't think that's the the best part of his play. Um, so there's some personnel moves they could make and uh, some adjustments they can make, but yeah, it is it has certainly been a killer. Um, move on to Phil Vugaris, uh, who asks, "Do you think the series has fundamentally exposed the weaknesses of the Islanders thus far? Mainly a lack of center depth in the lineup and the pipeline. Once one of our four centers goes down, we always seem like we're screwed, and a lack of a legitimate sniper." I'd say yes to the legitimate sniper part. The center depth. You know, trading for Jean-Gabriel Pajot obviously was a, it turned out to be a real plus in the short term with the return to play and how well he's played in the postseason. And really that line, him filling in for Casey Zizekas, um, has been a huge boon to that bottom six, you know, to be able to have a guy like that. You can just plug right in and on their kind of their most energetic line. Um, it's hard to it's hard to fault what Lou Lamarillo has put together in terms of centers because when those four guys are healthy, as we saw through a lot of this postseason, it's 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 a tough group to handle down the middle, uh, and even with three of them, and then Derek Broussard kind of slotting in as a as a makeshift number four center, it's still a pretty good group with with Barzell, Brock Nelson, and Pajot. But uh, but on the wings, I think is really. Where they've been exposed, there, you know, Anthony Beauvillier has been uh, has really stepped to the fore, and I think you can start to feel like you can count on him for for some increased production and a little bit more confidence on offense going forward out of here into next season. Anders Lee has had a had a real good bounce back postseason. Um, he's been pretty quiet against Tampa, but uh, but I think those two guys on the wings give you a little bit more hope going forward. I think uh, you know, and Josh Bailey leading the team in points. Um, has had a really good playoff. You know, Jordan Eberle, his struggles, uh, we talked about them on Twitter, mentioned them in a story. Um, he's really fallen off uh, in the last couple of rounds, and I think that's worrisome because none of these guys outside of Beauvillier uh, have contracts that you can really move, and you're not, not going to move the youngest guy of the group. So the commitments long-term to Lee and Eberle last summer by Lou Lamarillo you needed to get production at key times, and Everly was, you know, had an up and down regular season. was was pretty good in the regular season, and has been has had flashes of of what he did in the postseason last year. This time around, but but not enough of it. And um, you have to have someone dynamic on the wings in those in, in that top six, uh, you know, especially someone to play with Barzell. So um, I don't know how you go out and get that person. We mentioned Wallstrom just before. He's gonna, you know, he's playing over in Sweden right now and they're second league you know basically the, their version of the AHL until the NHL starts back up next season. 
They've got Kiefer Bellows, whether or not he's still with the team when they come, when they reconvene for training camp, whenever that'll be December, January. Um, you know, I, I have a sneaking suspicion, and we can get into this as the offseason goes along, that the fact that he didn't even make the cut for the bubble shows that this organization is not as high on him as I think some of the fans are. And uh, maybe he's headed elsewhere, being included in a trade if they need to offload some salary. Um, and I don't know how you fix it with the cap crunch. They they do need a real scorer in that top six that would help the power play, that would help five on five. It would help a lot. So um, uh, kind of a to be determined question on that one. Uh, Peter Walden with a question. I fully expect the Islanders to trade Nick Letty. Does he bring back a mid-round pick or do the Isles have to attach a pick to ship him off? Also, can you project your deals for the three restricted free agents now that the flat cap is official? Uh, those would be Matthew Barzell, Ryan Pollock, and Devon Taves. Uh, yes, I'm going to stick with my prediction that they trade Nick Letty, um, mostly because they need to get rid of some salary and there's no obvious outlets to, to trade guys like Andrew Ladd or Johnny Boychuk, neither of whom have really gotten any traction in terms of playing time in the postseason. Uh, and Letty, you know, has had good moments with Andy Green. Uh, I don't even think he's been that bad, uh, or looked that worn down against Tampa, but you know, it's, it's a matter of. It's a matter of cap right now. He's He makes a decent amount of money. Um, they've got Noah Dobson who can come in. They've still got Taves who's struggled mightily, but I think is still part of the plan going forward because he's a cheaper option, even with a, with them needing a contract for him. So I think it would be Letty, and I, you know, you hear all kinds of different things. It's it's basically a situation right now where there's 27 teams that are up against the cap or will be up against the cap once they get everybody signed that they need to and needing to shed salary and about four teams that have $30 million in space to deal with. Teams like Buffalo and Ottawa that have a ton of space, Montreal as well. Um, but you got to have a willing a willing buyer for what you're selling. Um and if Lou Lamarillo needs to really needs to get rid of salary and you've got a player who can still play in Nick Letty, normally you'd be able to trade that player who's still pretty young in Letty and get a mid-round pick back or maybe get a, a you know a B-level prospect back. Who knows what it's going to be like this this coming offseason, whether they have to include a pick or a prospect to get rid of him. Um, it all depends on the market. It's uh, it's going to be a real wild one once this is all over with, and you've already seen a couple trades made that uh, maybe made you scratch your head a little bit. You have to dig a little deeper and, and see what the contract implications are when it's uh, a Jake Allen going to Montreal to fill a backup goalie role, which is crazy for a guy making four point five per on the uh, against the cap. But that's Montreal has tons of space, and they prioritize what they needed to prioritize. So um, it's uh, it's going to be. A lot of head scratching deals, I think, and and whether Letty and a and a fourth round pick go somewhere, or Letty and a and a low level prospect go somewhere, or Letty goes for a fourth round pick or a third round pick. I think it depends on on need and desire from another team, but uh, I do expect him to to be the guy that goes. Sure was nice seeing the teams back out on the gridiron over the weekend. Lucky for us, that was just week one. There's no better place to get in on all of the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. To add to the excitement of Week 2, DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing back their can't-miss offer. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, head to the App Store now because you don't want to miss this. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users the chance to turn $1 into $100 when they bet on any team. That's right, you can place a $1 bet on any team, and if that team wins, you cash a cool Benjamin. How could you pass that up? 
If you're new to DraftKings Sportsbook, head to the app now to scout their latest offers. Bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, a sportsbook that goes wherever you go. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code QUICK when you sign up to get this can't-miss offer. Pick any team during Week 2, bet $1 on them, and win $100 if they win. That's $1 to win $100 when you use promo code QUICK during sign-up. For a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, this is Craig Custance with The Athletic. My family has, I, w- I would say, a healthy obsession with water and water bottles. And we all have our own personal, like, giant thing of water that we carry around. My daughter has a, you know, one of those daily planners, and it has check marks for how much water they're drinking. Because we know when you don't get enough water and you're dehydrated, you feel lethargic, you don't feel good. It makes a big difference in your day. And with Liquid IV, you have the fastest, most efficient way to stay hydrated. We're big fans of Liquid IV in our family. When you drink Liquid IV, you have more energetic workouts, you sleep better, but it's better for your immunity, which is super important right now. You just have more energy. So Liquid IV is available nationwide at Costco and Target, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code ATHLETIC at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code ATHLETIC at liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code ATHLETIC. All right, back to your questions. Um, we got a few about Matt Martin, who's a pending unrestricted free agent and has been uh, real effective in the playoffs. Five goals now equaling his entire regular season total. Um, you know, a couple of them bounce down off people. It doesn't matter. They all go If they all go in, they all count. And uh, he's, uh, he's played the sort of game that makes you think that there's a spot for him again next season, whether it's here or somewhere else. Um, so I've been asked, you know, what a – Sab was the one that uh, points out he loves being an Islander, uh, but do you see him going after the best contract out there? Um, well, yes, every every free agent does that. That's how Matt ended up leaving in the first place in 2016 when, when Lou Lamarillo was the Leafs GM and signed him to that four-year deal that's expiring now. Uh, so, you know, you can't afford to leave any option unter- un- unexplored. If you're a free agent, especially a 30-year-old fourth-line player who's coming off a very good postseason, um, you know we had Ray Ferraro on the show last week, and and he had an interesting take on it. He's a guy who talks to a lot of GMs, and he basically said like, there's a lot of guys out there that are going to basically be in a situation of agent and GM get together, and the GM says we have eight hundred thousand dollars in space for you, take it or leave it. And I feel like Matt is a guy who's in that spot, and. Um, whether that's an offer from the Islanders, maybe it's a million, um, maybe somebody else offers him a million too. It's going to have to be, uh, a decision that he makes. Um, he and his wife just had their first baby not long ago and, uh, just before the restart came. So if he wants to stay on Long Island and, and Casey Sezikis loves to call him the mayor of Long Island. So maybe, uh, realizing that, uh, the grass is not always greener considering what happened to him when he went to Toronto for a couple of years, maybe he will, decide to take whatever's offered and and know that he has a role here at times and um and see what happens uh you know going into next season whatever that may be so um yeah it's it's been a it's been an eye-opening uh postseason for Matt Martin and and maybe good enough to get even a a small contract offer from the Islanders 
Uh, our friend Matt Reds, uh, I'm not counting the series until it's over, but how do you think this playoff run affected contract talks with this year's RFAs? Um, you know, I think Ryan Pollock uh, is probably still in the same range that he was before the restart, still in the in the flat cap world. Um, if I had to guess on a range, and I'm going to be, you know, once the season ends, we're not going to count it off prematurely, like you said, Matt, but... Um, you know, I, my guess would be something in the four-year, five million per range, maybe five times five. You know, if they want to go longer, maybe it comes a little bit under five. I would have said, you know, something in the five and a half, six million dollar range before the cap uh, future changed. But Ryan Pollock is still a guy I think you want for the long haul, and if you can get him on a reasonable deal, it's probably worth doing. Devon Taves has probably cost himself a little bit of money in the short term with the struggles he's had this round and sort of towards the end of the Flyers series. But I think guy with his skating ability, his offensive ability, uh, is someone you still need to have in the lineup. I wouldn't consider trading him. Um, so if he comes in at a bridge deal at two years and two million, two and a quarter, that wouldn't surprise me. I would have thought closer to three with the kind of regular season he had. But uh, but now, new world, and um, you probably want to go short term to see what you have in him. But also, he's gonna he's gonna be requiring a decent size raise from from the the league minimum that he's making now, basically. Um, and then we're left with Matthew Barzal. Uh, you know, could be a, a wide range there. If they decide to go short, um, two or three years, I could see something in the $8 million range, um, maybe seven and a half. Um, and if they go longer, the number just goes up. You know, you, you're not, uh, it's different for uh, the security. Of it. If a guy like Ryan Pollock wants longer term, you, you tend to lower the cap number. A guy like Barzal, you presume the arrow is always going to be pointing up, uh, at least through his 20s. So if you want to go six or seven years, it's going to cost you. And uh, this being a second contract, um, you know, he's four years away from unrestricted free agency. If you want to buy into those UFA years, uh, I think uh, I think you're getting into the nine, nine and a half $10 million conversation, and I don't know if they can put that kind of cap hit on the books right now. So I'll stick with my guess of maybe three years at $8 million per for Matthew Barzal, um, and we'll see how wrong I'll be when, when all the thing, everything gets settled. Um, NV79 with a question of, uh, will prospects, uh, will the prospects and the Islanders, just parenthetically here, the Islanders only have two prospects right now have signed overseas in Oliver Wallstrom and Simon Holmstrom. Will they stay all season or would they be recalled for training camp? Does that give either of them an edge for a roster spot by essentially being in midseason form by camp? Um, I think it helps. It certainly can't hurt. You need those young guys to be playing. Uh, they are playing in the lesser Swedish league. I, I got the impression that uh, the Swedish hockey league, which is the main league, uh, wasn't allowing teams to teams to with any players with NHL contracts to uh, have out clauses. So that's why they're in the Allsvenskan, which I said is the Swedish version of the AHL. So Wallstrom and Holmstrom are there. I would imagine there'll be some guys joining them. Sebastian Ajo probably will go over once the bubble ends. Otto Koivula probably as well to go play. Maybe even Christopher Gibson. Um, you know, maybe even Ilya Sorokin. Uh, I wonder if there's a spot for him in Europe that's not in the KHL because the KHL uh, doesn't seem to be allowing opt-outs either, except in a couple of special situations. So, um, you know, I, I think it's important. Uh, you know, there's teams like the Oilers. I saw just earlier today they have 11 of their prospects playing in Europe right now. And you do. You want them playing. You want them to hit the ground running when camp comes because those guys are hugely important. I don't think Simon Holmstrom is is that close to earning a roster spot, but we'll have to see. 
But Wallstrom definitely is. Noah Dobson definitely is. I, it wouldn't surprise me to see guys that they want to have ready for camp and ready to take roster spots with their cheap entry-level deals playing overseas as soon as possible. So uh, this long run has been great. Um, maybe not the best for, like I said, the guys who haven't played at all yet, like Dobson, who uh, who need to go play somewhere. So uh, Mark Dayette. Um, Mark, I owe you a response to your email, by the way. Sorry about that. Uh, he has a good question. Will this deep run in the playoffs, uh, that is not over yet, make the Islanders more attractive to potential free agents? In theory, yes. In practice, um, you got to make some cap space. You know, if the Islanders want to go out and sign somebody good, uh, and obviously you don't want to sign anybody who's not good, but somebody who can really fill the need that we described earlier, scoring winger, someone who meshes well with Matthew Barzal, uh, you got to offload some people. And that include, you know, trading Nick Letty doesn't get it done. Um, that doesn't even clear enough space really for for a full complement of those three RFA deals, I don't think, at the numbers we were talking about. You're still talking about $15 million or so. So the Islanders right now have about seven and change in salary cap space. Uh, Nick Letty, w- taking subtracting Nick Letty's contract, would add another five and a half. Andrew Ladd and Johnny Boychuk may get uh, exiled somewhere. They may, maybe they can include them in a deal with, um, with a decent prospect. Um, those are, you know, that's $11.5 million of cap space for two guys who weren't really a part of this run. So um, whatever you can do with that, to, maybe there's long-term IR, depending on what happens in the offseason for both guys. They've certainly seemed healthy, both been skating plenty during this, uh, during the bubble, just not playing. So uh, Lou is going to have to get creative with that, or he's going to have to move somebody that, uh, that you don't want him to move like a Josh Bailey, just to be able to clear some, some salary, excuse me, off the books. Um, it'll definitely be, uh, it'll definitely be a challenge for, for the Islanders front office. Like I said, it's going to be a challenge for a lot of front offices to get the money right before next season. Um, so I wonder, if you can if you can make those kinds of moves uh, that they need to make to to be cap compliant and and be able to add somebody, so um, I would bet that there there are some free agents that are suddenly interested in the Islanders, um, but the money's got to be right. So we'll have to see about that. Um, which members of the presumed younger core might be a sell high candidate? This is from Neil Goldberg, such as when they moved Ryan Strom or Griffin Reinhardt right before their value cratered. I wouldn't say Ryan Strom's value cratered. It, he didn't do himself any favors in Edmonton, but now he's a pretty coveted guy playing alongside Artemi Panarin with the Rangers. So uh, Griffin Reinhardt has had some struggles since since he was gone. Um, you know, the only one I could really see, uh, if you're talking about somebody that's that's got some iffy scouting reports on him um, through his amateur and early pro days is Oliver Wallstrom. But, uh, you know, he was a guy that was not necessarily a controversial pick at 11, but I don't think there were a few NHL teams that weren't that interested, didn't think the work ethic was there. Um, him leaving Boston College after a pretty disappointing freshman year wasn't in the cards and maybe was another bit of a red flag. But he had an okay first pro season. Um, I think it sort of indicates that he's a longer term project, that maybe if he's an NHL or next year, it's uh, it's mostly out of need and not out of him forcing himself into a situation where they've got to keep him on the roster. So I would wonder if uh, now would be the time to sell high on him. Um, but that also leaves you a big hole. You're trading the, you know, one of your highest draft picks of the last few years and a guy who can fill a real need. So, um, you know, you have to weigh that 
with whatever you're getting back. Uh, and if you're making that move to so you can get rid of a Johnny Boychuk contract or get back someone like Zach Parise to finish that deal that almost got consummated on trade deadline day, then I, I can't imagine it's worth it. And I'm sure Lou knows that it's not worth it, that you have to see what you've got in this guy, especially if he's as pure a scorer as you projected him to be. We'll get back to your questions in a minute. But first, a word from our sponsors. Hey, this is Craig Custis with The Athletic. Maybe you were blessed with a body that you can just pull clothes off the rack and they fit perfectly. But if you're anything like me, every shirt I buy, the arms are too long. Every pair of pants I buy, the legs are too long. I don't have the time or the money really to go and get everything I buy tailored perfectly. So I end up looking like a frumpy sports writer half the time, which isn't great. And I wish it wasn't the case. But the times when I do take the time to buy the things that fit right, you just feel better, right? You're you're confident. You walk into a room. You don't feel like you're wearing your dad's clothes because the the sleeves are, are down over your hands. And that's what makes Indochino so great. Indochino suits are great for wedding and for work. And they offer a lot of casual options like shirts, coats, and chinos. And right now, honestly, like that's what I find myself most attracted to. Like I, I recently made a purchase there. Even if like 80% of the press conferences or whatever I'm doing in Zoom, you still want to look good. You still want to be professional. You still want things to fit and feel good about yourself. And the way it works is I booked a, some time with a virtual style consultation and took it step by step and i was even able to personalize it uh the dress shirt through my initials on there from the stitching to the collar to what kind of material you want on the inside flap there's so many ways to personalize it so with indochino you get custom fitted suits coats and casual wear at surprisingly affordable prices and if you are getting married indochino is an absolute no-brainer for you and your groomsmen Forget the -the off-the-rack suits that don't fit different body types. Indochino gives everybody a tailored fit. You order with ease, you get it shipped fast, no matter where you live. And with all the ways to customize, you can add a personal touch everyone will be proud to wear without emptying their pockets. The best part, Indochino suits start at just $299 with all customizations included. Visit one of Indochino's showrooms across North America or book a virtual appointment and shop online at Indochino.com. Dot com. And right now you'll get $30 off any purchase of $3.99 or more when you enter the code CRAIG, C-R-A-I-G, at checkout. That's Indochino.com, promo code CRAIG, to get $30 off any purchase of $3.99 or more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right. Our last segment here, we'll take a couple more questions. And Stuart Terman asks, asks a rel- relevant one for me, um, something that I don't always love to talk about, having covered the Islanders for a long time. But basically, Stuart asks, why is it hard for the rest of the hockey community and world to give credit and respect to this franchise? And this is something that, you know, we we, we all live in our own little bubbles right now, right? For the last six months, it's been horrifying to, to have to deal with all this. But I think part of the social media world around covering sports and being a sports fan means that you live in your own little bubble as far as that stuff is concerned. I talk about the Islanders on Twitter, on the athletic site here, 
um, and you all talk to me on Twitter and on the athletic site and ask questions to use here. So we're talking about the Islanders all the time. It's uh, it it's can be a little bit claustrophobic, and we don't know how all the other fan bases experience social media and and the network broadcasts when it comes to the playoffs. So you know, I've heard heard from plenty of you that you felt like a lot of the NBC telecasts in earlier rounds, especially kind of starting with the Washington series, were very skewed towards the Islanders' opponents, that the Caps were so great, Ovechkin's great, Philly's this great young team, they play an exciting brand of hockey, Tampa's super dominant, let's just rubber stamp them into the finals. I get it. And and I think you tend to notice as an Islander fan um, the negatives, especially when things aren't going well like this series, more than the positives that they're doling out or the details, the nuance. I think um, you know, first of all, I don't think those guys are biased. John Forslund does a great job. Um, you know, if the Islanders were looking for a play-by-play guy for MSG Network right now and Forslund is leaving Carolina, I bet he'd be at the top of their list and he might be the Islanders broadcaster next year. So I don't buy any of that. Um, but I think, uh, you know, the Islanders style of play and the, the names on the front, you know, the name on the front being more important than the names on the back mentality makes them a little bit less sexy, I think, to the television audience that's not a diehard Islander fan. Um, you know, it's weird to me that people laud Tampa, who have, you know, four or five of the best players in the league at their positions, and then heap on praise of guys like Luke Shen and Zach Bogosian, who don't add a whole lot to what they do, but are allowed to kind of thrive. You know, Luke Shen is not an NHL player on most teams right now. He's cycled through a lot of them. But um, when you have Victor Hedman or Ryan McDonough or Mikhail Sergachev on the other side, yes, Luke Shen can play a few minutes a game. Um, And he doesn't really add a whole lot. So I think, uh, you know, it it, it can be a weird space to be in being an Islander fan. You're you're shell-shocked from the last few years of of getting no respect and sometimes justifiably so because of all the shenanigans that have gone on in the last couple of decades. Uh, It's been a hard road to be an Islander fan, and I certainly acknowledge that. And I made a little joke on Twitter uh, last night when there was uh, a story on the NHL's website of all places that had a headline about how Victor Hedman could have been an Islander, and now he's about to eliminate them. And I thought that was hilarious, that like if you're a conspiracy theorist, if you're a person who feels that everybody's out to get you, and then you see something like that from the official house organ of the league, how are you going to think otherwise? And I thought that headline was dumb, and I thought that article was dumb because... 2009, they're talking about Hedman went obviously second in that draft and John Tavares went to the Islanders first and the Islanders never hesitated to pick John Tavares. And if they were going to pick another guy on the top of that draft, it was going to be Matt Duchesne. I don't think that Garth Snow and his scouting staff felt like the team in the middle of that rebuild needed a a big um, defenseman who was projected to be a great player, but also was projected several years down the road to be a great player. So um, and to dispute that and taking Tavares now because of what's gone on with him leaving and the team not doing very well, uh, you know, in the run up to his leaving. Oh man, that exhausts me. Uh, everything exhausts everybody these days, right? But um, but that particular trope of whether it's redrafting previous drafts or trying to say that they could have taken Hedman and look where they'd be now. I mean, Victor Hedman was in a East, it was in Game Seven of the Eastern Conference Final in his second year in the NHL, and it had nothing to do with him. He was a Good young player then, but he wasn't playing 30 minutes a night and dominating whole shifts. You know, Tampa still had the number one pick from the year before in Steven Stamkos. They had Marty San Luis. Um, they had a good team. 
uh, and he, you know, they were able to turn it around a little bit quicker than uh, than the Islanders were for any number of reasons: bad drafting, um, cheap budgeting, not enough in- invested in front office and and in infrastructure in the organization. Tons of reasons, but um, choosing John Tavares over Victor Hedman was not one of them. So ridiculous, and I understand your pain, Islander fans, but uh, I think it's better to celebrate what this team has done because it is unexpected, and I think that's also part of the social media perception is that Islanders aren't supposed to be here in this Final Four. You know, Dallas uh, has been a good team on and off for the last couple of years. Vegas is a powerhouse. Tampa is a powerhouse. Um, and the Islanders are are kind of the the fly in the ointment at this point, and I think that uh, you know that aspect of this run will make people notice them more next year. Whether it, you know it might not translate into better free agents, but I think it will translate into better knowledge of this team uh, when they get national games, when they get in the playoffs next season. Um, that's how you build respect is through is kind of over time. It's not an instant sort of thing. Um, so yeah, just remember that. Uh, I'm hearing you, even if I don't always acknowledge it, I'm, I'm there. So um, we'll talk a little bit about uh, game five tonight, you know, do or die. The Islanders were here in game seven against Philly, but it felt a little different. You know, the Islanders really outplayed Philly for long stretches of games five and six, had a couple coin flip losses in overtime. Game six was broken stick and, you know, then in their net and uh, same thing happened to Vegas last night when they were eliminated in their, in the Western conference final broken stick right in their net. So uh, you felt pretty confident that Game 7, the Islanders would show up. This one feels a little different, obviously, without Casey Zizekas, um, who, uh, as was reported and we confirmed, has uh, an eye problem. Uh, I don't even know if you could call it an injury. I don't, I'm not sure that it happened in the course of play, but um, he needs surgery. Sounds like it's pretty serious. Could be, uh, you know, could be a while for him to recover. Um so they're down a, a key player. Uh, I think a few of their defensemen look a little look a little gassed. So maybe we'll find out. Uh, Barry Trotz in desperation mode has made a couple of uh, late changes, but uh, I imagine you're going to see basically the same lineup. and And they have to rely on the fact that they've been in these last three games. You know, they won Game Three after giving up the lead late. Game Two was uh, a game that I thought that they outplayed Tampa pretty consistently until uh, the breakdowns in the last half a minute. And then, you know, they get a goal and then two quick breakdowns and it's 2-1. And that seems like a big hill to climb. Um, you know, they really haven't been scoring a lot on Andre Vasilevsky outside of game three. And uh, they just need to have the puck more. Um, you know, the wall play in their own end uh, has been a little weak, especially out towards the points. Tampa's defensemen are so active. Uh, they need to be able to play in the middle of the ice a little bit more. And and I think they're just, you know, quicker reactions. It's, it's hard. It's game 21 for them um, in a space of about you know, 50 days, 45 days or so. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely a reason why you don't see a lot of teams climbing out of that hole right now in the bubble so far in these playoffs. But I think you just get one if you can and, uh, and then worry about the rest. You know, Tampa has blown 3-2 leads in Eastern Conference Finals uh, in the last few years, um, one to Washington in 2018, one to Pittsburgh, I think, two years before that. So uh, maybe you start to get them wondering if they can if they can shut the door completely so um but i think uh, you know it kind of starts with with better play on your toes fewer breakdowns because you know that tampa is going to be able to exploit them because of the guys that they have 
uh, and maybe not get sucked into the to the physical jawing side. We'd like to probably like to see a little bit more uh, straightforward physical Islander hockey and grinding on the forecheck than uh, shoving after the whistle. And we'll see how it all shakes out. Uh, that's all we got for this week. Thank you, everybody, for all the questions. And uh, we'll be back again next week, maybe with a show previewing the Stanley Cup final, uh, maybe with a show wrapping up uh, what's been certainly a crazy year since we started this podcast almost exactly a year ago, uh, maybe about 11 months ago. So uh, either way, we'll be back with you one more time next week. Thanks again for listening. and Tune in then. Thank you.